Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. I'm your host, Robert Gerrish. Flying Solo is an Australian online community and home to stacks of free resources, discussion forums, professional development tools, and a whole lot more. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Today's guest is Rhys Roberts, a self-styled CFO for small business. This interview was originally recorded as a live radio segment, hence the listener involvement that pops up from time to time. Lovely to have you with us. Good morning. And uh, how was your day this morning? Where did we find you this morning? Uh, well, I'm, I'm sitting in my office in North Sydney. I'm just sort of looking at a slightly murky day, but uh, it's pretty good anyway. So it is a little murky, isn't it? Now, look, we've um, we've been very fortunate to have you uh, writing with us on Flying Solo for a while. You've got a, a host of of uh, very popular articles. It's unusual in some ways, I must say, to see um, a finance writer um, getting such feedback from communities. So congratulations there. You're clearly doing something, um, you're doing something very well there, and we're very grateful for that. Yeah. Uh, so have you been writing for a while? Is this, is this a, a sort of a strategy of yours? Do you contribute to many other blogs um, or places? I don't really know. I write on, on my website. I write a blog, and um, I had been trying to find a way to, to write for a while. I'd written occasionally for a number of local newspapers, but not got a particularly good response on those, mainly because uh, the things I wrote would be one-offs. Uh, so when I started writing for Flying Soul, which was probably maybe three years ago, I guess. I think it was um, three years, yes. That sounds about right, yeah. And it was, so I was really pleased with the response I got to that. And I, I think I got that because I was trying to think um, how I could communicate financial information to people in a way that actually was relevant to their business. It wasn't about tax or compliance. Mm. Um, it wasn't about sort of, you know, dotting the I's and, and crossing the T's. It was really about trying to help people understand their financials, uh, which I thought was really, you know, a terribly important subject. Absolutely. And look, and I think it does, it does really stand out that, um, that you do do it in a way that uh, resonates well with people. And I've, I've personally sat through an awful lot of uh, financial presentations and read quite a few financial contributions. And yes, they're not always known for being, I mean, I'm, this is not a beat up of people in finance. It's, it's, um, it's a more broader problem. But I think to write in, in a way that uh, is engaging and interesting um, is, a, is, is a skill and you've, it's clearly one that you've got. So um, you work, just give us a snapshot, if you would, of your business. How long have you been doing what you've been doing? How many of you involved in your business? Uh, look, I've been running this business since 2001. Um, I, um, I, my background was working as an accountant in a bunch of, of corporates. I sort of left uni and, and went and, and sort of trained as an accountant, but always working for companies. I never did the whole sort of KPMG, Deloitte's tax audit thing. Um, I, I ran as, you know, started off as a graduate trainee and worked my way through the, through the ranks of a, you know, in the corporate world. And, um, and then about uh, 2001, I, I did a, a career change and set up my own business with the intention that the service I was going to provide would be pretty much what we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. um, of being an outsourced CFO. And I, I found that really hard to do at the time because I'd turn up on site with clients and their, their data was often 
pretty poor. Um, people would have their, their bank account not reconciled or what had been reconciled was frankly rubbish you know, on occasions. Right. So, so I ended up being you know, an over, overpriced bookkeeper and um, didn't enjoy it very much and the clients weren't getting value. And so at that stage, I turned the business model around and I started to actually sell and install accounting systems. I'd find uh, clients who maybe were you know, running on an on a entry-level package and they had maybe a you know, complex uh, inventory requirements or they had some manufacturing or they mm-hmm. had job costing or whatever. And I'd go and find and recommend a solution and install that for them and train them and set it up. And that, um, this, so primarily this was uh, so that you could help your clients get into a much more organized state, presumably, so that you that, weren't that, sitting in there pouring over incomplete sort that, of responses. That's exactly and right. And yeah. also because, you know, when you move beyond a, a business that's quite quite basic, if, if a business is small enough, the owner of the business can keep everything in their head and they, mm. they run the business. Their business process management system is, you know, between their ears. As the business gets be- gets bigger, that gets progressively harder and harder to do. So I see lots of businesses with half a dozen staff if they're a service business or maybe mm. 10 or 20 staff if they're sort of inventory-based who've reached a, uh, a plateau. They can't get any bigger because the, the owner of the business has become a bottleneck. Sure. So, and, and the solution to that is to put in a right, the, system, the right system to, um, you know, to allow them to actually systemize their business so they can actually run without that, that person um, having to make every decision. Of course. And tell me, given, bearing in mind, you know our audience well, and primarily we are individuals, those people working by ourselves, yep. and a number of us are pretty well intending to stay that way. Um, to what extent do you, do you think that this, still there is this, this need to have systems and to have the procedures in the same way? I mean, it's, I have my own view, and it probably agrees with yours. What, what, what do you observe and what do you think are... Um, the ways that we should be operating, even if we are just a one-person business? Yeah, I, I think even for a really small business, if you've got some systems in place that use the right sort of tools, they can certainly reduce your, your compliance costs. You know, none of your clients will actually pay you for your time to keep your own books. They're paying mm. you for the service you deliver. And so you want to actually make your back office admin internally as efficient as possible so you're not wasting your own, uh, your, your own time. Um, you can... Um, so at the, the lowest level, you're using systems to operate more efficiently. As soon as you go beyond that, you can start using the systems to actually produce information for you to help you run your business, to understand what's happening financially. Mm. And that, I think, applies even if you're running a micro-business, and, yeah. and in some cases, more so. Yeah, and I, I must say, my observation I, when I speak to people, particularly in a sort of a, a coaching um, scenario, is often if I speak to somebody who is... Um, financially anxious they're, they're, they're not sure exactly where they're going they're concerned whether they're going to make their next bass payment you know these are not uncommon sort of sentiments to come across there are there are times where I, I sort of you know describe myself tongue-in-cheek as you know helping people to sleep at night or mm. perhaps a, as a marriage counselor where the you know one partner's doing the books uh, usually the wife is doing the books for her husband but sometimes the other way around and uh, you know they're constantly uh, anxious and worried and and they they really um, you know, don't understand where their where their mm. uh, financials are, and as you say, one of the real pressure points is: I know what I've got in the bank, but I don't know what I owe the, owe the ATO, or I yeah. don't know if I can pay if I've got staff. I don't know if I can pay the wages when they fall due in mm. a couple of weeks' time. And that that really is at the crux of it, isn't it? It's the information because I, as I say, it, when I think back to any kind of coaching conversations, and I'm I'm certainly don't have the skills that you have. But what I do know is that once we actually find out the information, if, even if it's a matter of taking half a day to sit down with your partner or with a friend or with somebody who's maybe financially better than yourself 
and just work out where you are, what's coming up, what's you know what what's you see in the future, and what sort of opportunities there are there, and what issues you may have. Information is always better than non-information, isn't it? But it's very easy just to kind of put our head in the sand and pretend it's not there. Yeah, absolutely. And if, even if you put your head in, your, in the sand, uh, you know, I, I've sort of seen lots of people say, you know, I was regularly waking up at three o'clock in the morning. I'd think it was okay, but at three o'clock in the morning, I'd wake up and I was worrying about work or mm. worrying about the financials. And uh, so armed with that information, that goes away. It means you actually get, get uh, returned to, to focusing on running their business. Mm. Okay. Now, um, like the decorator whose house is not painted and the plumber whose tap leaks, I'm hoping your, your business is in a pretty good shape financially. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How are you doing actually, your own stuff? And, and, it, it's, it is, uh, and it is mainly because of one of the tools we use, um, which, uh, you know, um, this is not primarily a, a form to plug software, but, mm. you know, we, we shifted our business um, onto zero about uh, four or five, four years ago, I think mm. it was. And um, it, the, the direct bank feeds make the world a difference. It means every single you know transaction I make where I go and spend money on my credit card or, or put a transaction to the bank account is automatically in my accounts the following day. Yeah. And if I if there are transactions I haven't reconciled, I can see them there. They're sort of mm. looking at me saying, hey, reconcile me, your... deal with me. Yes, yes. Um, and so my accounts are always up to date, yeah. Yeah, and look, I, and I know we'll come on to talk about that um, a little bit later, I think, but I, certainly I think the um, the innovations that have, 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 have come for all of us, particularly those of us, I think, running our own, Sort of solo or micro enterprise. It's um, it's an astonishing transition that it's that it's given us. So look, when when we were um, talking earlier before the show today, um, we looked at some areas that we might sort of uh, discuss together. And I asked you or invited you to um, share with me or share with us uh, a particular idea, a particular insight, and a particular innovation. So. I might move us over into that direction. Before I do, let me just remind those listening that if you've got any question, any financial question, I'm sure, Reese, you're happy for me to throw anything at you. So anybody's got any question at all to ask of Reese, please send them into radio at flyingsolo.com.au or send us a text to me, a text to 04235005111. So Reese, the idea, the question I'd like to sort of put to you here is, what's one thing that solo business owners can do today that's really going to help them make their financials work better for them? What's one thing that we can do today? Okay, so the, to me the biggest thing they can do is to realize they have to put the time in to get to understand their financial information. Um, quite often I see small businesses, uh, soloists or businesses that are slightly larger, where um, going back to the point you made a few minutes ago, the only view that people ever have for their financials is what's currently in their bank and then maybe towards the end of the quarter, how much do I owe the, owe the ATO mm. and desperately hoping that the gap between the two isn't too big. And to me, that feels like a scary way to run your business. Um, with, with a fairly sort of number, number of um, fairly simple steps, you can move beyond that to having a good understanding of financial information uh, that will allow you to understand what's happening in the business day by day. Um, and let me just... Sorry. That's okay. Yeah, I was just going to jump in there. Just somebody listening who maybe hasn't um, moved across to any of the new um, systems and uh, software that we can use, yep. what, just imagine that we don't want to make that step yet. What's a, what's a straightforward way to approach it? How would you approach it? You know, if you go into a business, say, and they've, they absolutely don't have that information ready, they haven't got it clear, when you sit down next to them, what do you do? Where do you start? Look, the first thing of all is to get them to recognize that um, their financial information 
is primarily for them. It's not for the ATO, it's not for the tax account, it's for them. Once people recognise that they are the prime user of their financial information and they need to structure it in a way that means something to them, that's a, that's a really good start. Um, from that, the, I would always recommend the second step is figuring out what, what are the right solutions, the right accounting platform to put that on. But that's a longer term thing. Mm. You can't do that today. That might be a, you know, sort of a month or three or six months uh, program. Um, so leaving that aside, I would, all, I would then want to make sure that the, the finance are up to date, make sure the bank account is reconciled yeah. and that uh, you know, all the information is recorded correctly. And after that, run some reports and have a look at them. And if you don't understand them, ask somebody who does and mm -hmm. get some help. Yeah. Um, if you do understand them, interrogate them. Uh, quite often I'll see things like uh, maybe a, a, a client who you look at the balance sheet. and Everyone tends to focus on the P&L, but the balance sheet is mm. really important. You look at the balance sheet and there'll be some large number sitting in accounts payable. And you go and run an accounts payable listing. This is money that you owe to your suppliers. Yeah. And there'll be nothing in current and nothing in last month and nothing in 60 days. And somewhere at the right-hand side of the page, there'll be $10,000 or $20,000. And I look at that, I think, I do not believe that this business is getting that much credit from their suppliers. Right. So what's happened there is they put the invoice through, and then later on they've gone and paid it. But when they've paid it, they've, they've cash-accounted. I think it was okay. a pay-the-money transaction. Right. So, so it's giving a very false impression of what's so actually going on. It's giving a false impression. It's mm. overstating their expenses, and it's overstating their, their liabilities. And it's, it's really easy to fix. Mm. But people, you know, if you don't, if you don't look, when you look at a balance sheet, you need to think that these are real numbers and they mean something real. They're just representations of real things. They're not just random numbers on a piece of paper. Mm. And, and if you take take that approach to it, you can then say, well, you know, this is saying that I owe somebody $10,000. Who do I owe it to? And if it's wrong, how do I fix it? Yeah, okay. How, I mean, again, just thinking of, of the solo business operator, maybe working in a, a service business, you know, selling their skills for money, um, possibly not working with a massive number of clients, but with a portfolio of clients. So we can pretty well imagine or, you know, we can put ourselves in the shoes of that person and think, okay, well, I've got 10 projects on the go and it's bringing me this much money in. You know, so quite easy to get this, or p potentially dangerous as well, I guess, but easy to get this sort of overarching kind of view of how things are going. Um, but how often do you think somebody running that sort of business, how often should we be sitting down and speaking with a financial person or how often should we be reviewing our finances? Do you see this as a, is it a weekly thing? Is it a monthly thing? Is it a daily thing? How, how do you suggest businesses um, I, like that operate? Yeah, look, I, I think um, start, start work at the, the, from the lowest level and work up at the very least quarterly, obviously, because you do, you're doing a BAS quarterly. Mm. But when you do the BAS, don't just have someone, uh, you know, sort of uh, sitting there, sort of with smoke coming out of the keyboard, hammering through all the transactions as fast as they can, and then lodging the bars and then going away. Actually, go and get reports run and have a look at them and get some advice at that stage. So that's a, that's a absolute minimum. Yeah. Move from having um, whoever lodges your bars for you to do more than just lodge the bars to actually provide you some reports and, and have a conversation around those. Better than that would be to do that same sort of level of reporting, a P&L on a balance sheet, mm. uh, on a monthly basis. Then there are other reports, it varies from one report to another, that you should be running more frequently. So, for instance, maybe a, a debtor's report, you know, it's who owes me money. Yeah. Um, I run that most days, I mean, every, every two or three days at least, I'd go and just uh, run to screen um, and have a look and just go, oh, hang on, that person went to pay me by today, and I've got them all set up with their due dates. 
Um, so it just triggers and I can see who's, who's running mm. behind. And do you, do you think that overall, would you say that most small businesses um, underutilize their bookkeepers? I mean, I often hear stories, we see them in our forums where we say to people, you know, you need to go and talk to your bookkeeper or you need to talk to your accountant. And the common response we get back is, oh, my bookkeeper, my accountant, they don't, they don't kind of behave like that. They don't respond like that. I mean, do you think we as small businesses, are we getting enough from our bookkeepers and accountants? Are we not pushing them enough? What do you think? No, I don't think you're getting anything remotely like enough uh, mm. in most cases. I think too many bookkeepers are focused. You know, the, the, the whole bookkeeping industry in uh, Australia really exploded from 2000 onwards with the introduction of GST, yeah. with people going from having to do just dumping all their receipts in a, in a, in a shoebox and handing them over to the tax accountant once a year uh, to having to keep accounts up to date so they could lodge about quarterly. And so there's this huge increase in the number of bookkeepers. But far too many of them are focused on just compliance. They just lodge the bans and nothing else. Mm. And to me, that's a really tragic lost opportunity for all those small businesses who, um, you know, as you were talking about earlier, are people who are sort of, you know, anxious about the, their financial situation. To, uh, to not be able to do something to, to help those people is, um, yeah, it's a, a real lost opportunity. Okay, so we should possibly be pushing a little harder than we are in, in some cases with the, those yes, people that support yes, us. Yes. Okay, I've just had a question in from, uh, sorry to cut across you, from Ruth in Adelaide. How far ahead do you think we should forecast cash flow for the typical business? How far ahead do they should they go, do you think? Um, That's a pretty good question. Uh, one of the difficulties of forecasting cash flow is how you do it. Um, if you've got a budget in place, if you've sat down and said, okay, I'm, I'm going to budget what my revenue is, what my, my rent is going to be, what my wage expense is going to be, and so on, then generating a, a forecast from that is quite easy. Mm. Um, if you haven't got a budget in place, it becomes much more a, a, a you know, much more short-term exercise. Um, and you're really going to sit there and say, okay, well, I think I'm going to collect this the following amount uh, you know, over the next couple of weeks. Um, so the answer is it depends. Okay. Uh, I've, I've certainly got... Um, a, I've certainly got lots of clients running their own business uh, who would be forecasting, you know, up to the end of the month or maybe mm. the end of the quarter. Um, larger organisations, especially not for profits, where you've got an external external board of directors who are, you know, have some sort of liability uh, within the organisation. Yeah, they typically want to see forecasts that run for at least twelve months. Sure. Um, because it, it, you know, it's one of the things they can do to, to um, minimise their personal. Mm. Okay, so it's very. It is. You're saying it's very much a personal thing. I know in in uh, flying solo, we 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 like to have kind of both. We have a fairly long forecast, and then we also look at it on a sort of month by month basis and review it yeah. monthly. But yeah. okay, now another question that I asked you um, prior to this call is. And this is coming kind of from the position of, of an insight. So delving, if we can, deep into your massive vault of knowledge and wisdom, <laughs> Maurice, um, what's one key insight that you have about this whole uh, kind of topic that you'd really like the soloist community to know? Okay. Um, you, you heard it here first. I was going to write an article with this as the, as the, uh, as the title, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll put it out here. Uh, this is the idea that... Um, Small businesses, soloists, in fact, all businesses have got um, access to lots and lots of different sources of data. They can get you know, market trends and economic forecasts and competitor analysis and all sorts of things. But you've got one source of data that is absolutely unique to your business, and that's your own internal finances. No one else can see that. They can't see what you're doing. They can see the price that you sell at, but they don't understand your cost. They don't have that information. So you know what your gross margin is across different products. No one else does. And to me, that's a really 
key piece of information. I know in here for the different services that we provide, which ones we make a better margin on and which ones we make a worse margin on. Mm. And that allows me to direct my marketing and try and generate new clients in those areas that generate the best margin. And I think that's a really important piece of information that, uh, that I have that no one else can see because yep. it's, it's unique to my business. And so your implication clearly there is we need to absolutely know what that area is and to prioritize our marketing and activity to to drive more opportunity into that area. Absolutely right. Mm. That's you know, that's what I think is one of the key drivers to um, financial success in the organization is mm. knowing where to deploy your resources. It's interesting because, it, you know, when you look at that and you think, well, like, duh, yes, of course you should do that. But it's, you're so right. It's so, it's so kind of common in our businesses that we get so busy. There's so much coming at us that we spend our times just delivering our services kind of everywhere um, without actually having the kind of the courage and the um the ability to pause and say hang on a minute which are the things that are really working well for me which which are the areas where i should prioritize where i should focus more so what you're saying to be doing that is we have the information and many of us going back a number of years but but we tend not to look back terribly much we're always kind of looking at the next sort of thing that's ahead of us so Okay, that's a great that's a, a great insight. Thank you. And the third point that I ask you um, was looking at the area of kind of innovation. Um, now, I'm pretty sure I know where we're going to go here. But you know, what what innovation have you observed again within your kind of area of, of speciality that impresses uh, you so much? I mean, yeah, look, cloud, 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 mm. cloud. Every time, it's I think the the in, innovation of cloud accounting. Um, across a whole range of, of business sectors and high sizes of organizations uh, has a huge impact. But for the micro and small business, uh, it's massive. Uh, mm. It completely changes, going back to the conversation about the role of the accountant or the role of the bookkeeper, it completely changes that role because you can set up all your systems so that uh, you've got almost no data entry to do. A very large portion of the, of the money, uh, the items you spend money on, um, can feed into your accounts automatically. There's no need to have someone doing data entry on that. Mm. A lot of your invoices out to your clients can be generated automatically and very quickly. Uh, all the receipts in from your customers just feed directly in. So that takes away that whole uh, you know, sort of manual data entry process. And that means you can use that person to deliver you some more value-add services. Mm. I think that's a huge difference. So what, sorry to cut you there. No, it's okay. Imagine though, again, someone who's been running their business maybe for a few years, got a system that's working, perhaps working with Excel spreadsheets and shoeboxes. Um, it's kind of going all right, used to working like that. What do you say to that person? How do you actually convince them? Because I, I, I'm with you, I must say. I've, I've made that step um, and I've, I now work with a, a cloud system and um, it's just wonderful. But it was a, it took took me to, and our business for that matter because I uh, anyway I won't bore you with all those details. But once we're kind of the other side of the step, it's a wonderful place to be. But how do you how do you nudge someone across the line? Do you think if what they've got going is kind of going okay? Uh, I think it's quite hard. Um, no one, no one. I, I, I use this line quite frequently. I'm not sure if it's a good line or not. But no one ever um, says I had a really good year last year. I think I'm going to reward myself with a new accounting system. <laughs> they, they, they might take an overseas holiday or buy a new kitchen or whatever, but they, they never, you know, upgrade to a new accounting system for the mm. pleasure of it. It's, uh, it's a painful thing to do, and it's quite hard to do. So what you need to be, uh, as the owner of the business, looking at is the the, the return compared to the cost, um, and quite often the in, 
um, identifying the cost of your existing system is difficult to do. I've got Excel. It doesn't cost me anything. Uh, I already know how to use my system. It doesn't cost me anything. What it's costing you is time. It's costing you lots and lots of your time, and mm. maybe it's also costing you um, anxiety. Maybe it's also costing you lost sales because you know or lost income because you don't correctly identify people who haven't paid you. Yeah. There can be lots of hidden costs in there. Um, if people move across to a system that's automated, a lot of those costs go away. There is a new cost of you know a, a monthly subscription, um, but if it's done right, it, the, the return to the small business mm. massively outweighs that cost. Yes, well, uh, look, I would certainly say so. And going back to your point you made earlier where, you know, maybe it's not something you're going to shout about on your homepage, but what you actually do is help people sleep a lot better. Um, I must say it's, it's um, personally, I feel hugely relieved each time I go in and, and do my accounting now in the cloud. It's because I just feel in control to a degree that I haven't been for 20 years. So it's quite a nice feeling. Now, talking of which, um, we've just had a question in from Des. Um, and he says, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a numbers person. Is there any hope for me? <laughs> so again, I, I, I'm, I'm not a words person, but I seem to manage to, to, to string some together. Um, um, I don't know. I think, I think that, um, that anybody with, uh, with some guidance and some assistance can actually get to a point where they can follow this reasonably easily. I don't want to sort of trivialize that and sound as though it's, you know, sort of you can't understand it, you're doing something wrong. I think there's a, a tendency for professionals in any discipline to, um, you know, to mystify their, their discipline and make it um, harder than it, than it should be. Mm. Um, I think financials is one that's really important and uh, it shouldn't be complicated and it shouldn't be mysterious. Um, you know, if you've got the right systems in place, it should be really simple. You you can, uh, you know, run a report that says, here's what, here's what I sold, here's what I spent, here's mm. my profit or loss. Yes. And so that's pretty straightforward. So the answer to this is, yes, there is hope. And, and it doesn't need to be perhaps quite as hard as it might appear. No. In many no cases. Yeah, I think that's I, certainly true. Now, look, you may recall that um, the question that we had at the um, start of the show, the one that um, we I asked and that uh, has been out to our Facebook community particularly, is... Um, how would you kind of get started in a business without any money? What are some ways that you can do it? What's your, yeah, what's your take great, on that? Great question. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer this completely truthfully. Uh, I, I, I sort of um, mentioned at the beginning that I made a career change in 2001. It was, um, it was partially foisted on me by the fact that the company I was working for uh, got, uh, got taken over. Uh, and I, my role was one of, the, uh, I think, what is uh, referred to as a, a synergy. Uh, as to say, my role was axed, uh, and so I was retrenched. <laughs> and uh, if you know, if you can find yourself in the position in a, in a corporate world where somebody's going to retrench you and give you some money to go away, that's a fantastic way to set a new business. Um, uh, that isn't always available. So I think one of the ones you read out earlier is is one that I recommend highly to anybody starting a new business, and that's look at the grants available. There are lots and lots of of grants available for small business. Um, and a number of services that will help you find those. I think that's a really good source of funding. Mm, okay. And do you do you find, just as a kind of a, a closing point, I'm going to be letting you go in a moment, do you find that um, with all these various innovations and changes that we are seeing, in the, particularly in the sort of small business uh, financing landscape, do you, what, what's your view of the future? Do you, do you, is, it, is it rosy? I'm assuming oh, it look, pretty well is. Huge, hugely positive, hugely optimistic. Mm. I think that, uh, that what we're seeing right now is, is the same sort of um, movement in, in finance that we've seen in lots of other areas of technology where what were formerly fairly uh, complex, expensive, advanced features are, are rapidly moving down through the market to a lower price point. Um, I've got clients who maybe sell online, and 
what they would have been doing in the past would be, you know, they've got a website and someone goes and buys something. And to the end customer, it looks like it's all automated. But what in fact is happening is their website prints out an order. Hmm. And they go and pick and pack the order, and then they walk across to a computer on the other side of the room, and they rekey that as a sale into their accounting system. And suddenly, that's just gone. We've got dozens of clients who would who would sell online, and that sale will automatically sink into their inventory system and into their accounting system. And there's no data, you know, rekeying of data. Um, and there are lots of areas where that sort of ability to have multiple systems uh, talking to each other are going to make a radical change for small business over the next couple of years. Right, fantastic. Well, look, Reese, thank you very much for joining us. Reese Roberts from Veridity. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo. I'm Robert Gerrish, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're looking to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, you'll find heaps of resources at flyingsolo.com.au and a supportive community on our forums and Facebook. Thanks for listening.